Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For everyone out there thinking about starting a podcast, let me tell you this. When we switched to remote podcasting six years ago, it was a headache multiple pieces of software, inconsistent sound quality, and honestly, nearly impossible to bring in guests, let alone record video. Then we discovered Zencaster. Zencaster gives us studio quality recording, including video up to 4K and distribution to podcast players that support it. We've consolidated our podcasting efforts, doing everything from recording to publishing in a single platform. And now having guests on has become a breeze. Zencaster is about making the podcasting experience as easy as possible, including local recording, automatic post-production, which we love, and no outside software needed to record and publish an episode. I honestly cannot imagine recording remotely without Zencaster. So if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code BGA. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experience we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 402, Top 10 Christmas Board Games. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Well, welcome back, friends. Happy holidays. We're getting to that great season. And that season for this episode, especially for this feature review, is our Top 10 Christmas board games! Ho, 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 Anthony. Are you ready for a Christmas list? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. We got two weeks. <laughs> Gonna start rounding up the holiday-themed games. So this list will be all of the Christmas gifts, and we are talking about the naughty ones and the nice ones, and, you know, get some tr- Christmas tradition to the table in cardboard format. So... We have a little fun little list for you for our top 10. But Anthony, before we get into all of that jolly holly time, what is our question of the week? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, seasonally, all the things happen in December. We have obviously the holidays at large. Everybody's kind of getting ready to, to travel and see family and take breaks and play board games. And it's also the time where you see 6 million end-of-the-year lists of all the best <laughs> things that came out in 2022. So if you got your Spotify wrapped, you got uh, top 20 
literally everything you could possibly see. And we'll have our own best board games of 2022 coming up here in a few weeks. So I reached out to everybody and I asked them, what is their pick for the best game released in 2022 and why? Hey, everybody. Now, yeah, hey, (laughs) thanks for responding. (laughs) And this is always tricky, right? Like with movies, you know, they're a couple hours long. Most critics can see all the movies they need to see, right? Yes. Board games are a bigger investment. They take more time to learn, more time to play, and you really need to play it more than once if you want to legitimately give it, you know, fair shot for being a better game of the year. That's why a lot of the awards come out later in the year, right? Mm-hmm. But it's super cool as well to just kind of at the end of the year stop and think like, well, what, you know, for the calendar year, what stands out? So we got a lot of good responses here. Uh, some of these you might hear more from us later on our own reward award show. Mm-hmm. And others, maybe we'll track down and play because of it. Ooh. So Tom says... Carnegie, smooth playing economic game, lots of fun, though we do house rule a three player and give everyone one of the action choice tiles and the third player gets two. A little friendlier twist and the third player still is compensated for unequal number of action choices. So, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Carnegie as a Euro. Uh, I yes. think I always, I always think it's funny when you're like, what's your favorite game? You're like this game, but you have to make these changes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but a, to be fair, I do change. That yeah, I mean, it's always hard to know no matter how many times you play a board game. And I'm sure that even the designers themselves, when they play test a board game, how many times is the player order the make it or break it for a board game? Cause it, it does happen a lot actually, in fact, and it's always a little suspect when you play a game and it's like, Oh, you know, decide first player or give this person a first player. And then again, this is always based on the game. Of course, there's no compensation for either going first or going last. And you're like, I don't know. It's my first play of this game and first player. I'm fourth player. I feel really bad about this. Right. <laughs> so if, if you do this find that, good. no. And if you do find that there is a unbalanced issue, you know, issue happening there, that's great. That's great to find it and to compensate for it. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next up, we have Vagard mentions uh, Revive is their favorite game of 2022. Um, I'm excited to play Revive, but it's not yet available here for us. Mm. Uh, but he mentions for a long time, Terra Mystica was my all time favorite game and Revive feels like a Terra Mystica style of game, but with a really satisfying engine building action chaining element built on top. Certainly sounds good. I, I want to give this one a go once it comes out. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Darren gives another shout out for Carnegie. Um, also mentions that Arc Nova it was the first time we get to play it in 2022. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll count that for best game of this year. We always have to deal with this a little bit. You go to BGG and you see all these games came out the year before, but you know, in North America, when could we get the game without spending a fortune on import fees? <laughs> so like, I consider Arc Nova 2022 release because that's when it came out here. So, sure. For our purposes. Yeah. And Car- Carnegie was a hard one too, because that was a Kickstarter. I know we played that online. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could play that on board game arena in, you know, February, 2021. So mm-hmm. I-, I played it a whole bunch last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't back the super deluxe version because it's not in retail. 
and the regular edition just looks flat comparison. Yeah, I know. I went, I did go out and pick up the regular edition eventually. And every time I look at it, I'm like, man, nice to have the really <laughs> fancy one. But the really fancy one's like $250 on eBay. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, nope, not so much. Stupid Kickstarter. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric mentions War of the Ring card game. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to play this. And while I would still rather play the board game, it is the only game this year that really had me thinking about it days after I had played it. Mm. I just got my copy in uh, like three, four days ago. Uh, haven't had a chance to play it yet. Need to get a group together, but very, very, very excited for this game. Hopefully get to play it before we do our awards. Yeah, absolutely. I was really sorry that Ares Games wasn't at PAX Unplugged. We walked by their vacant booth <laughs> with their little right. sign on the floor. I was just like, no, because <laughs> that was honestly the game I was looking forward to the most. So I'm really glad you got it. I want to pick up a copy as well. I thought I was going to be able to buy it to show, but not so much, my friend. Not so much. Right. Yep. We'll get it played soon. It's happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Corey mentions Mosaic. Ooh. Says, not influenced by a hefty Kickstarter purchase either. I bought the full cardboard edition. Oh, nice. It's an amazing game that is simplistic enough at its core to teach in 15 minutes, but has an incredibly diverse set of strategies that gives each play such a unique feel. Um, friend of the show, Tim, also mentions that uh, Mosaic is up there for them. Mm. So this is Glenn Drover. Yes. Of Age of Empires fame. I, mm-hmm. I definitely want to play this. Like, yes. you know, their spin on a, a civilization game. Sounds interesting. That was another one of those Kickstarter things where I'm like, I'm not putting $200 towards this game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the regular retail edition out now, I might have to track it down. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that the regular retail cardboard version works because, again, it's that Kickstarter FOMO where you're just like looking at it and you're like, how do I not back all of this? How do I not back at the highest level? And then it feels weird to back a Kickstarter at the lesser level because it's just like, here's all this stuff that you would really want. And you're like, I don't know if the game's good enough. Like, you would want this stuff. I'm like, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have to close this page. I don't know what's going on here. I need an adult. (laughs) Every time I've done that, at the time, I feel like, yeah, look at me and my self-control. And then when I get the game in, I'm like, why didn't I just spend the extra $50, man? Yes. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, I agree. But if I don't back it at all, less regret. (laughs) So that that's usually what it is it's usually like it's the super deluxe version or nothing at all because the in-between version seems like some sort of compromise but not always clearly yeah yeah i want to know like the 800 people in the world who have a copy of gloomhaven with standees (laughs) they're out there some of them sold i don't i don't know where they are but they exist smart people i think makes a lot of sense if you never played the game before right it was like 50 or $60, too. Yeah. For Gloomhaven. And you just swap out the minis for Sandy's. Yeah, considering considering the fact that you may not go through all the characters, or you may not go through all of the, like, retiring a character, bringing the character out, Sandy's kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because no, it's, mm-hmm. it's just that, and you have Sandy's for everything else. So Yeah, weird. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right, we have one more mention here. We have DJ says Wonderland's War, which I've heard a lot about, and yes, I I have not played it, but 
I've had multiple people that I know and respect say, this is a good game and you should try it. So I will at some point do that. Yeah, I think this was another one that was just big and expensive. And I was just like, sounds great. Want to back this, but uh, uh, yeah. it's one of those. Yeah, it's another one of those big kind of dwelling of Eldervale kind of size game and like mechanics and such. So I was just like, well, I don't know which ones to drop a crazy amount of money on yet. So let me just step away from the computer and just let's see how it settles. Right. All right. So, yeah, that's uh, some of the nominations for best game of the year from our listeners. Um, nice. Some of these we've played. Some of them we have not had a chance to play yet, but mm-hmm. uh, lots of good stuff in there. And stay tuned. We'll have more best of lists coming up. Yeah, we picked up a bunch of games at PAX. I just got Brazil Imperial in, which I'm really excited to play, although the insert is terrible. And I'm just kind of like bummed oh, yeah. out about that. It's real bad. <laughs> I'm like, why did you do this? Like one side is really like well done vacuum plastic form that doesn't fit all the pieces for some reason. And then the other side's like a split cardboard junk kind of thing that the cardboard pieces can't fit in because they're tiles. And I'm just like, why is this thing a thing? I'm just like, no. <laughs> Such a beautiful game. Why? Why? Why would you do this? Makes no sense. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If I could figure it out, it, it might be in contention. I'm just saying. I don't know yet. Haven't played it, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. So that's everything that's happening out there in the world where everyone's enjoying fantastic board games. Now, Anthony, let's talk about all the fantastic board games that we do not have, wish we did, and maybe possibly could be an acquisition disorder this week. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So for me, I have this one actually popped up. I think we were in convention mode at the time it popped up on my phone Mm -hmm. um it's called numbsters so like the first half of number and the last half of monsters mashed together sounds like my statistics class (laughs) yeah it does sound like a statistics class good call yeah so this is a new one from button shy games which if you're not familiar with button shy the it's a company run by jason tagmeyer and they release a new game every month or two on kickstarter it's a small little wallet game has usually 18 cards plus the rules sometimes some promos as well but everything fits in a little tiny wallet thing that you can put in your pocket like legit just slide in your pocket some of the best button shy games uh, are like sprawlopolis i think is their most famous game and some of them are multiplayer and an increasing number of them are solitaire or solitaire adjacent Uh, and those are the only ones i back so i have quite a few of these games i think like i just organized my office the other day and i think i have eight of them but the only ones i have are solo so i have like food chain islands which is a recent one i have pentaquark uh, sprawlopolis agropolis all of those games play solo right so i can put it in my pocket take it on the train the plane to a hotel room whatever and just play it really quick uh so this is a new one uh it's designed by Milan Zivkovic, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and their most recent game is for Button Shy as well, Rove, Results-Oriented Versatile Explorer, which is another kind of solo spin on this 18-card formula. This one, though, looks, you know, it's cute. It's fairly simple looking, you know. And I say simple, and you think, like, 18 cards, aren't they all simple? Not necessarily. Like, Sprawlopolis will burn your brain a little bit. But this one is a, you're going to have, 
a handful of cards and you're trying to get down to just one number and the mouth in your hand. So you have a mouth, you have these different number cards. Each of them has different abilities on them. And you're going to draw cards and then try to manipulate them within your hand. So like have one eat another or move to a different place or attack or, or whatever it looks like to get it down to one card. So it's like a chaining puzzle, effectively. And, you know, as a result, it takes 10, 15 minutes to play, as most of these games do. Very cute looking artwork, uh, just kind of these goofy looking, um, almost like Nickelodeon style monsters. And, you know, again, comes in a little pink wallet that you can carry around with you. Uh, I love these kinds of games. I, you know, some of them I play more than others, but I love all of them. Because, again, eight games and it's like this little tiny block (laughs) of games. They're relatively inexpensive. They're $12, uh, gets you the game. And then they usually ship out within a month or two pretty quickly. They get pub, you know, put together pretty fast. And uh, they're in New Jersey, so I usually get the game in a couple days. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like, hey, I backed a thing, and then a couple months later it shows up and I get to play it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm going to add it to my list. And if any of that sounds interesting, check out Button Shy Games. Um, they have, like, a subscription model, too. You can sign up and just get in their monthly game club. And you basically get, a like, a reduced rate every month if you want to buy all the stuff. I don't mm. buy all the stuff. Some people buy all the stuff. <laughs> They're usually conventions too. If you want to like see the games in action before you actually go down and, and spend a bunch of money on Kickstarter. Uh, but yeah, button shy, cheap, small, good quality games. Nice. Yeah. It's a little throwback to almost got that kind of the artwork, like a Sesame street kind of right. vibe to it, you know, very cute. Yeah. It's like, monsters but cute and adorable monsters yes (laughs) all right well i have a new game by john declare that's up on kickstarter you probably know him from space base mystic veil all of those kind of card crafting system games edge of darkness custom heroes we we've talked about many of these games over the years this is his new kickstarter called empire's end It's on Kickstarter, and it will wrap up on Thursday, December 15th. So by the time you're listening to this, you have a couple days to check this game out. So what you're doing in this game is you are managing your civilization. And this is your kind of Roman era where there's a lot of calamities happening. So if you've ever played Feld's game of In the Year of the Dragon, where basically you're building up your little empire, and there's a track where just things happen. Mostly bad, some good, but just... Over the years, the civilization is dealing with a whole bunch of different things. That's part of the mechanic here. So you have a main board where it's going to show you when catastrophes hit, when your fields and your industry is prosperous, when battles will take place, and when basically when you could build. So throughout the game, you have this long tableau of cards. Think space space where you have the cards and they all trigger based upon where they're located and they interact with each other. And in this era, the cards themselves will be different opportunities as far as cities and countrysides and people and industry, allowing you to manage your particular civilization. Now, the main part of the game is dealing with that track. So we go back again to the in the year of the dragon kind of situation where you'll have certain spots on that track, which is the disaster phase. So when the disaster phase hits, 
a card is flipped over and it's going to cause a disaster in a certain card across your row. Now, this is where the bidding comes into play, which is a little odd, but the catastrophe is going to hit. Everyone's going to get to bid to avoid the catastrophe. If you at some point decide to get out of the bidding, then you'll get to collect what everyone else bid to get away from it. And then you take the catastrophe based upon which card it's going to hit. Now, that card flips over. It's destroyed. But throughout the game, you do have an opportunity later to actually rebuild the card because all of those face-up cards are victory points at the end of the game. Plus, they give you resources. Now, that disaster is not the end of the world because it also has an innovation attached to it. So you'll be able to place that card under one of your other location cards. And that will benefit you throughout the game. There is an economy phase, which gives you tokens, which will allow you to bid, allow you to deal with military situations, give you money, which is a wild throughout the game, give you wheat, which allows you to exchange and to bid. And then there'll be certain conflict actions. Again, somewhere on that particular track, a conflict phase takes place. And it will allow you to play as much military as possible, including those tokens that you were able to collect secretly. And then whoever does the most gets bonuses. Whoever does the least gets, you know, knocked around a little bit. And basically, at the end of the game, whoever survives with the most victory points wins. This is one of those weird Kickstarters where I'm really kind of liking this because Space Base is such a good game. Year of the Dragon and all those kind of catastrophes are really cool. And at the same time, I'm wondering, like, as I'm seeing the game, like, is there enough interesting decisions here that I think that this might be something worth backing? Now, if you want to back the game without all the super fancy stuff, it's $35, which is actually not bad for a game. And if you want to go up the chain, then it's like another 5, 10, 15 bucks. And then you could get like wooden components to go along with the game. It's a pretty much a board in the middle, card tableau, nothing too fancy. But again, if you're interested in this kind of economic civilization building game, it's currently up and available. So something to check out. Yeah, Brotherwise makes good stuff. They tend to price really fairly, too. Mm-hmm. Their games tend to be light, though. The last couple of games I've backed from them, I've, I've been like, well, is this? Is there enough here? You know, it's <laughs> maybe fine for the kids. But then, like, for me, I'm like, I think I'm bored. Yeah. So, it's tough. It does look cool. Yeah. But I've been hit or miss, personally, with John D. Clare's games. Like, mm-hmm. I know you love Mystic Veil, vale, but I just never I got do. into it. Space Base is good, but it starts so slow, and I just... Mm. I don't know. I, I would love to fall in love with one of his games because I love the mechanics he uses. Sure. I, I don't, and this is like my wheelhouse, but I'm like wary to spend the money on it. It's hard though, because I think if this game was just straight retail, I would, you know, $35 is not nothing, but I feel like it's a good amount of money to pay for a board game. But with the Kickstarter add ons for the, you know, obviously for the shipping, which is going to be another, again, depending on where you're located, five, 10, $15 then it becomes a little cost prohibitive. And then there's also the wooden components, which really isn't really a thing because it's just tokens you take behind your screen and then you show them out. But it's always nice to have wood versus cardboard. But again, another five, 10, $15. Again, I'm not sure your miles may vary. This might be something I pick up once it's retail, or maybe it's something like discounted. I'll be like, Oh, let me give this a chance. Let me see if it's, it's fun. And you know, it's maybe it's an update from space base. So all right, so that's all the games that we want to hit our table. And again, if you want to reach out and let us know about a game that you want to hit the table, don't forget, all of our social medias are always out there. You can hit us up 
everywhere, especially BoardGamersAnonymous.com. It has our website with everything you could possibly want on it. If you have not checked it out, you are missing out because there's so many great content and materials that you can learn about great board games. All right, Anthony, so let's talk about the games that did hit the table. What's your at the table this week? All right, so uh, this is one that my son uh, fell in love with at PAX. Um, Ooh. We've kind of ex- seen it before mm-hmm. uh, at various other conventions, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know that we gave it the time of day, because <laughs> I, I would see it as a parent and be like, whew, that's a mess waiting to happen. <laughs> the game itself is Dungeon Drop. Uh-huh. So the, the goal of the game, well, first let me back up, because it matters much more how the game is set up. Sure. The, the rules or whatever. You have a box full of little cubes. The cubes represent there's like pillars within the, the dungeon. And then there's monsters with little faces painted on them. And there's different kinds of jewels and potions and tress, treasure chests and keys and all sorts of stuff. You start the game by taking a big handful of that and just dropping it on the table. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> the game does not come with a way to contain that mess. So mm. when I purchased the game, because my son loved it at the demo, I had to also buy the cardboard walls that you place around it to keep all that stuff in one place. Otherwise, it's all over the floor, and it's a giant mess, and we have pets. And I knew that would happen, and I knew if he saw that, this would happen. And that's, you know, it is what it is. He likes it, though, so I'm happy. So that's step one. You're dropping stuff, and it's making a mess. The actual game, though, like when you actually go to play it, is what you do is you go into the dungeon after you've dropped everything. And on your turn, you're going to take a handful of cubes from the box and add them to the dungeon. So you'll drop more stuff. And then you pick three structures. So there'd be like certain colored cubes in the space that represent like pillars, like physical structures in the dungeon. And you make a triangle out of them, like just visually and you take everything within the triangle so you're saying everything inside of this triangle is in one room i'm grabbing it some of the things you grab might be bad guys and they'll hurt you other things are treasures some things are chests you need to go find a key for them all the characters in the game have special abilities so like i was playing a the first game we played i played like an iron golem who had a bunch of health and got bonus points if i only got hit by small monsters which is goblins in this case my son was playing as a dwarf and he could actually go outside the boundaries of the room. He could like dig and get stuff that was outside of any room. And there was a bunch of other stuff. There's like eight or nine of these in the box. So you have asymmetry, you have special ability. You also have a class that goes with your character. So you can be a mage or a warrior or a rogue. And that gives you another ability on top of everything else. And then you manage that and you go in and you try to get as much treasure and points as possible. So it's very much just like a, scramble to grab as much as you can and then after three rounds see how much you have it takes like 15 minutes very quick and if you have the means to keep the cubes in one place which i make it sound like this is the hardest thing that that could ever happen it's not that hard but you do need a decent sized space right it's supposed to be two by two i think two feet by two feet so like if you have a board game table with the lips on it that would work Um, or if you can build your own little cardboard thing, or you can order the cardboard walls from them. Uh, But either way, like, it's, I'm not gonna say dumb fun, that's not a nice thing to say, but it's, it's just, you don't have to think much, right? You could play three or four of these games in a row. And it's just quick, easy, simple fun, 
right? The base box is, I think it was like 20 bucks or 25 bucks, but then you have to, again, I bought the cardboard to go with it. And then there's like an additional upgrade box with harder monsters. There's other challenges you can tack on. But my son very specifically said, I want simple and straightforward fantasy game about a dungeon. And this is exactly what this is. Like he didn't want a big miniatures game. He didn't want something with a bunch of extra mechanics or story or reading involved. Just, I want something fantasy related that I can play quickly. And there aren't a lot of those. And this is one of those. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll give this a play as a family thing. Like, I don't know that I would necessarily bring this to a game night or play it with anybody else. Like that wasn't among the family. But he has fun, and it, it is kind of silly fun. And my daughter can play, and my wife can play, and we all had fun with it. Um, so Dungeon Drop. It's it's good fun. It's obviously a buy for my son, because he made me buy it. <laughs> I told him you can, get, you can buy one game at the convention. If you find something you like, we'll pick it up. And this is the one he's like, I have to get this. So ah. um, with his very limited budget, this was the game he chose. And, and that speaks for... You know, a child who has played a lot of games and has, you know, I won't say he, he sometimes gets distracted easily. This game kept his attention fully for a long period of time. He had a lot of fun with it. So there you go. I don't know. Your son's a pretty smart kid. I, I got to I got to believe that you steered him hard away from Frosthaven because I think he would have seen Frosthaven yeah. and been like, Dad, that game. I just want that game. And you'd be like, damn it. <laughs> I tried. He tried to steer you to that game. Funny. He says he wants the simpler games, but like we played My Little Everdale, and he's like, mm-hmm. "It's fine. I want to play the full one, though." I was like, "Okay, it's fine." He With slipped many tables. Like, at, yeah, okay. he slipped. Okay, he slipped many tables at your house. Like this is too light. And just flips the table, and it's like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've reached that point. He's like, "I am older, and I'm mature, and I'm smart." And he is like, he can handle these games, and it's fine. But it's like a, a switch went off. He's like, "Stop bringing this kid stuff my way. Like, let's do real <laughs> games." Like, Okay, that's okay, what I'm we'll saying. Yeah, he would have picked up Frosthaven. Like he would have like one on each arm. He'd be like Frosthaven, Gloomhaven's like, yeah, we could we could roll these out. That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, nice. I might, I, that's not a bad idea. I might have to pull out Gloomhaven and see how he does with it. It's not a bad idea because it's. I mean, it's a co-op game, right? And it's just simple grid movement. It's not, and you play cards. You know, and I I think it's even easier on kids playing with like a deck of cards because you get a sense of the odds. And it's definitive right. where it's like when you roll dice, even though it's, you know, chance and you have no, you have no, how would you say it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like what dice rollers would believe like their particular way they roll is going to hit a certain way. I'm not saying if you're, you know, a craps player or something else, like you don't have that, but, uh, but a flip of a card, you feel like you have no control over that. So you're like, ah, it's a flip of a card, but a dice roll, you kind of feel crushed. <laughs> Just a little crushed yeah, on that. That is true. <laughs> it's true. Well, speaking of light games, I have two light games that we recently picked up from Pax Unplugged. First up is Nacho Pile. This was a review copy from Pandasaurus Games. This is also, Anthony, another game that I don't know if we talked on the podcast about this, but I was like, are they serious? Like, are they going to make a game that's in a bag and has components that looks like Doritos I think they're going to have a lawsuit somewhere, but they did. They made it. It's here. They gave me a copy. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So I played it. And Nacho Pile is an interesting game. So basically, I have to talk about the components again, because I think that's so much about what the game is. 
is a novelty. So the game itself comes in what looks like an old school Doritos bag. And it has that kind of, not a, not a full-fledged big bag, but it has a small bag look and feel. Even the bag itself, you cut open the top, it's resealable. And inside the bag is not much as far as components are concerned. It has these little plates, these little cardboard plates, and it has the nacho tokens. And they're light and colorful and plastic. And they're, you know, small little bag and just the instructions. And that's it. So... Again, if you ever bought a bag of chips and you're like, hey, what's all this air doing in the bag? Like, now they have the board game version of that. Now, the game itself is interesting because you open up the small bag of chips and they're tiny. They're not the size that's on the bag. They should they should have one of those kind of warnings, right? You think you're going to get these giant chips. So they're a small bag of chips. And on one side, it's a normal chip. On the other side is the number of the chip or a particular wild or a particular special chip on that card. Now, there's not a lot of wilds in the in the bag, and there's not a lot of special chips in the bag. There's one that steals chips. There's one that allows you to score chips automatically, and there's one that allows you to remove the chips from another player. The rest are all numbers. You take the chips, you put them in the bag, you shuffle them up, and on your turn, you pull out chips from the bag. Such a cute novelty, really smart idea. So it's, you know, you pull, drag, you know, drafting the, the little chips out there one at a time. And as you put them out in front of your plate, not on your plate, because later on they get on your plate to score, you're basically pressing your luck. And, you know, like any of those kind of press your luck games, you don't want to bust on a certain thing. So here, you don't want to get the same number twice. So you're pulling chips until you feel like maybe the odds are not with you. But again, it's it's a random bag of chips, so you don't know. And then you stop. And then... The next person goes, the next person goes. And then when it gets back around to you, if you're all if your chips have not been stolen, you get to place them on your plate and score. Great. Now, this game is very much, it might be directly taken from Cheeky Monkey, which was a Reiner Knizia game with like just picking animals like a blind drafting. Once you get to the final chip, no matter who it is, that ends the game. You pull the number out, you pull the chip out, and it has a number on it. Now, whatever that number happens to be is the number that is the key to the victory. So if it pulls out a, a six, who has the most sixes in their chips on their plates wins the game. So it becomes kind of like Killer Bunnies, if you remember that game way back when, where you, you're doing all this effort to collect all these carrots and then there's a special carrot, and that's the one that wins the game. Same thing here. So as a novelty kind of gift, like, you know, we're talking about the holiday gift season, this makes a lot of sense. You could buy this game, you could give it to someone, they get a laugh out of the, you know, the, the bag itself. The components are kind of fun. But when you play the game itself, there really is not a game there for adults. Now, don't get me wrong, adults can play this game, but it's more of a game experience because you don't really have any control almost at any point in the game because, again, you're blind drafting the, the chips out of the bag and then you're trying not to bust. And even if you do collect a lot of chips, which is very hard to do because as other players are drafting chips of their own, they could steal chips from you based upon the numbers that are out there and available. 
So it's like, I got all these chips and now you stole them. And I know Anthony hates that. And now it's back around to me. So maybe I could score one or two chips or no chips at all. So what was the point of me pulling a good number of chips if by the time it gets around, there's nothing left available? And then on top of which, even if I do score all those chips, you're telling me that there's only one number that's really going to score? So it's not, honestly, not a game. It's a game experience. It's kind of an interesting experience. Again, the idea of like eating chips from a bag. So cool. But it's not really a game. Now, I will say I played this with kids and they got a little bit of a kick out of it. So again, all you got to do is pull a number out and decide when you're going to stop and then wait till it comes back around to you. Kids are not keen upon having things taken from them, but they can manage this game very easily. And I'm talking little kids. As long as it's not danger level where they're going to put one of these chips in their mouth, anybody can pull something from a bag. Anyone can recognize two numbers or two colors match or they don't match. And that's pretty much as far as the game's concerned. So because there's some novelty, because it can play with kids, this game gets a dodge. It would get a just a game experience or honestly a burn if it was really meant to be kind of an adult party game it's listed as a party game it should really be listed as a children's game kind of like i said a novelty slash gift from like you know if you want to throw something for a friend during the holidays or you just want to do a gag gift i bought gag gifts in the in the past for people we all get a kick out of them so it gets a dodge as far as gameplay is concerned because it's a game experience it's not really a game for adults because you're not really making decisions yeah, it's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> we made a game and put it in a Dorito bag. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's it's a dodge. Nah, not so much. Like again, good concept, good thematic kind of interplay, good for like a kid's group. I think they would get a kick out of it because it's super simple to play, but not making any kind of realistic, interesting decisions that I could say it's a game, it's more of a game experience. Next up, I got another review copy. This is Master Dater. This is from the Cyanide and Happiness kind of collective gaming universe of their webcomics. We've previously, many years ago, talked about Joking Hazard and talked about Trial by Trolley. These are these really cute, fun little webcomics, great little fun artwork definitely more on the adult mature theming and all of these games utilize on some level, especially this one in particular master data. And this is from explosion games, this kind of apples to apples cards against humanity mechanic where previously on choking hazard, you had a couple of their web, you know, like bubbles or squares or, you know, boxes where you put together a joke here, you're putting together a character that's going to go on a date. So basically you have heads and you have bodies. And at the start of the game, you're given a bunch of cards and on the main table, there is the judge. In this case, the person who is the single person who's looking to date. They put out three interest cards. So it could be like, they're looking somebody, they're looking for someone that they could literally matter today. They're, their fun fact is I need immediate medical attention and they're interested in starting a cult. Now, from that information, you got to take the three heads you have, the three bodies you have. And of course, they're all jokey and funny and comical. 
So it could be the Bigfoot. It could be the literal moon. It could be a wizard. It could be a zombie. It could be a dog. And you have to put it together with the body of something else. It could be a, it could be a lobster. It could be a bank robber. It could be a turtle. It could be any number of crazy, funny kind of cartoony expressions. The cards are nice. They're big. The artwork is nice and big. You put the cards together and then you lay them out on the table. And that single person who is the judge here determines which of those particular interest cards goes to which particular players. Now, the person who wins the game is able to get one type of each of the interests. So there's a love, there's a flame, and there's a spark. If you get all three, you win the game. So basically, the judge is making all the decisions. Everyone gets to be the judge at a particular point. The cards are kind of cute. The artwork is cute. There really isn't, again, I hate to say this, there's not many decisions to be made. You get the cards you have, you arrange them as you will, you lay them out, the judge generally makes a decision if it works or doesn't work. Now, obviously, you have an opportunity to play up your particular data to talk about why that particular combination would really work for what they're looking for. That's really where the fun comes in. And and typically, I'm going to put like air quotes around this, like the right game group is really what they're looking for here. This is basically a party game. It's humor. It's not meant to be like serious decision making. Like I talked about the previous game, like you're just doing your best. You're just having fun with it. Now, the problem with party games for me is if putting out random cards is just as effective as putting out cards that I made a decision on, that's kind of a problem. So that's a little bit of the problem here. And again, I don't particularly find it you know, as funny as some of their other games. I think Joking Hazard was by far a funnier game. And Trial by Trolley actually, I think, is their best game still to this day. So Master Dater gets a dodge from me. I hate to say it. I love the webcomic. I, you know, I appreciate all of the kind of jokes that go together. I like the idea of the dating as far as the judge is concerned. But again, I'm not making any decisions. The artwork just keeps it above the fryer right now. I want to mention before, kind of wrap up on this, there is an expansion because, again, being the expansion guy, as I've <laughs> been kind of branded as, I think it's it's fair to give expansions a chance. So there is a Master Data uncut additional 150 card deck. This stuff is seriously uncut. So think rated X, definitely not safe for work, only adults. Ooh. And I mean, remember, there's artwork here. It's cartoony artwork, but there's artwork here. And it's not meant for kids. <laughs> it's not meant for public consumption. It's, again, air quotes, meant for the right group of people in the right place because, yeah, some of the stuff is a little hardcore. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah, there's an audience for everything. It's uh yeah. Again, I, I think Trial by Trolley is such a better party game because it really does inspire more interesting conversation and combinations that you're putting together. And even Joking Hazard, the idea of like what's really funny. This is funny just because randomness, right? Like your head is literally a moon and your body is a weightlifter. Like, mm. <laughs> just like. Okay. Uh, And then again, like usually this expansion is more of the same, but like, like I said, it's a little darker and a little more graphic. So 
maybe that does it for you. Maybe you're like, Chris, look, I want really anatomically correct cartoon artwork. <laughs> I mean, in that, in that kind of universe, that does it for me, then this does it for you. But again, if I put two random cards out and they're just as good as me putting two cards out, I got to dodge it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So that's everything that hit our table this week. Now on to our feature review. So our feature review this week, of course, is the holiday season. And one of the holidays that gets the most board games is Christmas. So we are talking about our top 10 Christmas-themed board games. Anthony, you're a, you're a family man. You, you drop a Christmas game every once in a while, right? Yeah, I try to. You know, until very recently, there weren't that many. So <laughs> it's been hard, historically. <laughs> I, I will say, like, in the past, we've tried to do this list, and we, it was hard to come up with 10. So thank you to all the publishers out there who've heard me complain about this and have started <laughs> to release games that are actually themed. Like, I know it's only once a year. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole month that people would play sure. these. So, you know, that's 8% of the year. Absolutely. We got all these Halloween games, so why not, uh, why not the end of the year stuff? Absolutely. And again, we try to look at holiday games just in general, but there's even less of them and even less of them are on Board Game Geeks. So hopefully lists like this brings more of those games to your attention and maybe hopefully, you know, brings them more into the designer realm because the games we have here are good, but certainly since we have so many great board games out there, they could even be better. But Anthony, these are the top 10 on Santa's Christmas board game list. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's the nice it's the nice part of the list here. So why don't you start us off with number ten? All right, so I'm going to start you off with number ten. It is called simply Christmas Tree. Of course it is. So there you go. <laughs> it, we're good. We, we got everything we need done. So it's it's a lightweight card game. Uh, they say ten up the. Audio, or the, the, the community in general says so eight and up. And you will be building a Christmas tree with these various different shaped cards that you have. So you will effectively have uh, different pieces that you're drafting and you're trying to add them to your tree and have the most beautiful tree based on these various scoring conditions. The evaluation of those trees happens multiple times throughout the game. You get points as you go. So it's a pretty straightforward drafting set collection game where you happen to be building a tree which is a good idea like that ever you know a tree is a a quilt of sorts right they have all these different things that come from different places the decorations the style the layout every tree in every home in the world is different uh so uh, a game based on that is a cool idea and so it's our number 10 christmas tree Nice. Our number nine game is Holly Jolly. Talking about Christmas trees, Holly Jolly is all about this really interesting Christmas tree tableau in which cards are arranged in order for you to do some set collection and gain victory points throughout. So basically what you will do is choose to place either a light or tinsel card onto this tree tableau and then using the point total from all those lights or tinsel cards on the tree you'll be able to select ornaments or gifts. Again, set collection. Uh, This game plays eight and up, and it's really, it's got a nice little design to it. And again, and really cute artwork. And again, it makes that little tree 
and the cards kind of flip over. Fantastic. Holly jolly. All right. Uh, number eight on the list is Animal Upon Animal Christmas Edition. So there's a lot of Christmas editions of, I say a lot. There are some Christmas editions of popular games. I just played Patchwork Christmas Edition with my kids uh, earlier today. Uh, this one is a little bit different because it actually changes enough of the game. The basic idea is still the same. You are stacking various shaped things up into a, a little tableau of sorts. The alligator here is replaced by some mountains, and then you have squirrels and penguins and stars and sleighs and trees and reindeer that you're stacking up to hopefully not knock them down. It comes in a nice little Christmas themed tin, uh, red tin, and it's very colorful. It's very pretty. I've only ever seen this at the conventions. So I think I saw it at PAX last year. Uh, I don't I don't know how readily available it is, but I think until very recently, unless it was on the Geek Game Shop. So Animal Upon Animal is one of those great games. It's from Haba. It's designed for children. But I've had a blast playing with this with people of all ages because it's dexterity and it's simple. And um, you can be mean to each other if you want to. So if you have all adults, <laughs> you like go to town. You know, like you're going to place this piece over there. Have fun. And this is a Christmas version of that, so it's a blast. Animal Pawn, Animal Christmas Edition. All right, next up is 12 Days of Christmas, a Christmas miracle of a card game. Basically, it's a trick-taking game. It was it was previously on Kickstarter. has some really gorgeous little artwork from it. It's just from Eagle Griffin Games. And basically, what you're able to do is, if you remember the 12 Days of Christmas and that wonderful little song... It has all the days represented in cards. And again, based upon the tricks that you're able to take, presents are available. So scoring cards is key. Again, very traditional kind of trick-taking game with a nice little paste of the 12 Days of Christmas. All right. Uh, Next up on the list is number six, Super Skill Pinball Holiday Special. I'm sorry. (laughs) So that's a lot of subtitles. I know. <laughs> the revenge. <laughs> the re-pinballing. So this is a roll and write game by Jeff Engelstein from WizKids. It's based on the original Super Skill Pinball 4K. And in the game, you get two sheets of paper. One is the pinball table itself, and the other is like your scoring sheet. And you are effectively trying to keep the ball up and maximize your score off of these various combinations you can make on the sheet. Um, Pinball is kind of a perfect microcosm for a roll and write because roll and write games are essentially that mm-hmm. how to get as many things to bounce off of each other on this sheet of paper before you run out of actions as possible. So pinball, that's what, it, you know, that's what that is. Uh, so <laughs> they've started releasing special packs of these that are based on different themes. So we have like uh, a Star Trek edition, and now we also have a holiday special edition, which has three tables in it. Elf, A Christmas Story, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, And so the mechanics, roughly speaking, are all the same, but every table in the game is different, right? Like what you're actually trying to do and how you engage with it is a little bit different. Uh, So this one, you know, you kind of got the silly, goofy, cartoony looking elf. You've got, you know, all all the various 
failures of Christmas vacation. There's a squirrel on the on the sheet running around. There's the turkey. We got a Christmas story. You know, Ralphie's face there with the BB gun and and all that good stuff. So, if any of these movies you know appeal to you and you like roll and write games, then you know Super Skill Pinball has a game for you. Very nice. All right. Well, next up is our number five. Oh, what fun! This is a game that I reviewed last year. It's a game for. I guess it's for the whole family, but it definitely figures better for a party game for adults because there is some challenging little mini games in here. And that's basically what this box is. It's got a little spinner in it. You spin the spinner. You you find out what you you or your team has to deal with. And then you tackle a whole bunch of different puzzles. So there's a logic game where you're trying to put ornaments on a tree. There is a trivia, you know, general Christmas trivia for everybody at the table. Uh, Then there is kind of like a guessing situation based upon images. And then there is a really kind of challenging little minigame called Carol Collisions, where you have to sing to the tune of one Christmas carol while using the words from another. And that's literally going to break your brain at some point. So, oh, what fun. Our number five. All right. Number four on the list, we have Exit the Game, uh, the Advent Calendar. Specifically, The Hunt for the Golden Book. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is... There's been two of these now. This is the second one. It came out this year. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Exit the Game, which is like a escape room style board game in which you solve all these little puzzles and riddles. um, But broken down into 24 mini puzzles that you open day by day um, throughout the month of December and solve to, in this case, find Santa Claus's Golden Book. So that's the story kind of wrapping them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cooperative. It's fun. It's a great like family weight. So some of the exit games can be a little more complex than others. This one is definitely designed to be played with the family. The puzzles are not terribly complex, but they're also not so easy that you're bored and, or could finish them in five minutes. So it's like a great experience to sit down and just have this for, you know, 20, 30 minutes every night throughout the month. Uh, so put it on your radar <laughs> so you can either pick it up now and catch up or you know swing around to it next year but uh exit the game the advent calendar is a great experience for the holiday season our number three game is letters to santa this is a christmas theme love letter game it's really cute great artwork you know really great artwork and all again it's about you getting your letter to santa claus santa claus is the number eight card if you remember love letter basically the princess there but you're trying to stay in as long as possible and knock out the other players there's krampus in the game who's the guard the number one card there's mrs claus there's toys there's reindeers there's gingerbread man there's i guess legally distinct frosty the snowman that's available it's a fun little card game and again since it's based on love letter everyone knows how to play all right uh next up we have number two ghosts of christmas this is a trick-taking game from BoardGameTables.com, uh, originally designed by Taiki Shinsawa. Uh, and it's a re-theming of Time Palatrix, which was, I believe, only released in Japan. This game is fairly mechanical, right? It's a trick-taking game, but the unique aspect of the trick-taking game is that there are three different locations in which you can play tricks, uh, representing past, present, and future. So as it goes around the table, it depends on where people play and how when the cards come out and how you f- 
focus them into these different locations to determine who's leading each of the tricks and therefore who wins each of the tricks. So it's quite the little puzzle as you play each hand. And ultimately, you're bidding to see how many tricks you're going to win based on that puzzle. Um, thematically, it's based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story or A Christmas Carol. So we have, the again, the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future. It's got this cool kind of surreal artwork you can get. With the Kickstarter, at least, I don't know if you can get this still, but you could get little wreaths. They, it comes with cardboard wreaths, but you can get little wood wreaths and there's a little top hat. But the artwork all throughout is very thematic to Christmas Carol, as well as just, you know, Christmas theming in general. It's a small box game. It's like 20 bucks. Um, and it's a really good uh, trick-taking game on top of everything else. All Goes right. Christmas. Excellent. Anthony, that leads us to our number one Christmas game of all time, Die Hard, the Nakahomi Heist board game from 2019. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's I, I, not... I'd be down for this if the game was actually very good. I'd be down for that. I'd say we go for it. <laughs> well, Die Hard cur- is a Christmas movie, and that's fine. So. Well, it's not currently listed as a Christmas game on Board Game Geek, but I did submit it as such, so I don't... I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I mean, might be banned from Board Game Geek. It might be accepted. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's true, but that's another list. There's there's another list with like Gremlins and other things where it's just like Christmas movie kind of games. But our number one game is actually a really cool board game. Actual board game, board game. It's Santa's Workshop. It's came out in 2017 from Rio Grande Games. It's going to get a reprint in 2023. It's a worker placement game. It takes over nine rounds in which players use their elves to collect materials in order to build gifts and tend to their reindeer. And basically what you're doing in the game is you're trying to complete these different contracts in the game. You're building these different toys, utilizing fabric and wood and metal. But of course you want to, I guess, speed things up a little bit. So you could use plastic, which is going to score less points, but allows you to produce more toys. Again, that's a story for another day. So basically you're trying to help Santa in his workshop as much as possible so he can make it to Christmas, scoring as many Christmas cookies as possible. So a little kind of Euro in your Christmas games for this holiday season. It it really is a good game. It's one of those things like we don't have a lot of well we don't have any euros based around many <laughs> holidays at all and this is one of them uh, most of these games we mentioned are fairly light family oriented which makes mm-hmm. sense but this is one where there's a little bit more meat on the bones it's good excellent although i'm still pulling for die hard sorry yeah, no <laughs> again i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> all right everyone until next time this is chris hey and this is anthony and we'll save you all a seat at the table take care everyone Bye. See ya.